Hello, everyone out there in Lasso Land. Can you believe it? We are back for season three of Ted Lasso. My name is Craig. This is Peanut Butter and Biscuits. I'm also joined by my co-host, Mr. Jeremy Geckner. How are you, sir? We are so excited. We don't even remember what our show is called, guys, because we've got new episodes of Lasso to review. What? It's so yes. funny. I, I totally skipped the name in the intro because that's exactly how excited I am. Y'all know. We don't need to do this rigmarole. We've got new Lasso to break down. Oh, my gosh, buddy. I it's am been so a long glad way. that it's finally here. Can you believe that it's been a year and a half since October of 2021 when we had the last new episode of Ted Lasso? And here it is. Everybody has probably already watched the episode at this point. <laughs> I hope so. They're excited to talk about it with us. And I'm excited to just get right into it. But what do you have to say before we do that? It's been a long, long year and a half, Jason, you sadist, uh, but um, hey, we are here, we are back, and um, you know, we kind of gave our initial thoughts on this when we uh, published our non-spoilerly reviews on social media and stuff last weekend, um, but I will say, yeah, just overall, the episode proves once again that the lasso magic is still there. Um, you know, I love how this episode reintroduces like all the aspects that we've been missing. It does its best to hit on everyone, um, even if for just a brief little second. And it's just a, it's like a big warm hug. This episode, we just get to like meet and and be with all these people again, and it just feels so damn good. It just, it just does it, it, you know, like to have lasso back in our life and to be able to uh, experience this season with Ted, I will say right up front, maybe a bit of a darker, more, um, introspective season for Ted heading our way. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited to dive deep into it, but just in case there are people that have not seen the episode yet, trying to keep it <laughs> spoiler free up front here. And of course we'll play our spoiler alert, but before we go to the episode, I did just want to mention a couple of housekeeping things up front really quickly, please tell your friends about us. It's yeah. a fun time to jump <laughs> along and join in on the fun that is Ted Lasso. And we're going to be posting these just about the time that the episode releases every single week. So mm -hmm. you can count on that moving forward. And we're excited to do that. But it also means you can help join the conversation. And the places that you can go do that are on Twitter at PBBFRN. You can also join our Facebook page, which is Peanut Butter and Biscuits. You can also email us. In the last week, we've started to get emails again. Yeah. So Angie, and Jennifer, thanks for emailing us. Uh, I've been able to correspond with them back and forth. Jennifer, in particular, is doing the Lord's work, the good work of being a teacher. So uh, congrats there, and thank you for bringing Lasso to your students as well. Uh, it's just wonderful. I'm so excited about this uh, episode. I just want to put out a brief disclaimer that it has been a second since we've done these episode <laughs> recaps. So today in our social media, I said to everyone, just, you know, be curious and maybe not judgmental as ah. we go through this first episode <laughs> and we try to find our rhythm because I have to lead this first episode. There's a lot. Honestly, There's a it lot. could be like, uh, this could be a three hour episode. I'm not sure. We'll <laughs> We're see. not sure. There's a lot to get to. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, I think though, like a lot of questions answered, especially when you go back to like our predictions episode with the other Lasso podcast, lots of stuff being confirmed here from that episode. Uh, so some people will be very happy. Some maybe not so much uh, with their predictions, but uh, yeah, let's just get into it, man. We got this. <laughs> All right, here it goes. Our recap of season three, episode one, Smells, smells like, like Mean, mean spirit. spirit. Here it comes. Ah! Boiler alert! 
Okay. We knew that it was going to be the question that everybody would be asking and that would be answered almost immediately. Mm -hmm. Who is this season going to open up on? We had a lot of predictions in that podcasters episode and a lot of people said that it was going to open up on Ted and they were absolutely Absolutely right. So we kind of open up on a very um, disheveled looking Ted. And, Mm -hmm. you know, at first, Jeremy, I, you know, did you have any kind of head fake to the, the, when he looked at the phone and it was from Michelle Lasso and she was saying, uh, I love you to, I, I thought for a second there, maybe it was like a flashback or something else. You know mm. what? I didn't, the first time I watched it, I didn't necessarily see that it was Henry in the screen behind it. I just saw the text message blurb. Mm. And uh, of course, Henry looking older on the screen, <laughs> very obviously it's going to be his phone or his mom contacting him. But at first, for whatever reason, I don't know if I just was watching it too quickly, but I kind of got a bit of a head fake there. How about you? No, I was in the same boat. I mean, you're right. Ted is looking very despondent here is the word that I wrote down, um, you know, and I was kind of thinking this might be when he first flew uh, over to England. Um, But of course we got to see that flight though. And Beard was there with him. So I was thinking, I don't know, maybe this is there, but he didn't quite look this, uh, you know, the beard was a lot more clean shaven. Uh, You Mm -hmm. know, he was wearing a different set of clothes, but I did have a head fake there of like, Oh, have a safe flight. I love you. I was just like, ah, this is weird. Um, This is kind of uh, strange. But of course the head fake does come there when we learn that that is Henry's phone. Um, But yeah, I was right there on the, on the same uh, wavelength there. And I mean, like there is a lot of stuff happening when it comes to this. I mean, like we learned that Henry has spent six weeks uh, here with Ted in England. Um, and so naturally the despondency looks correct. You know, if he was without Henry for a, a big chunk of time and then he gets a big chunk of time with him, but now he's got to let him go again after spending all that time embarking on a premier league season with a lot of baggage, you know, it's clear that, you know, I don't know why, but maybe we discounted the fact that Ted is the obvious choice to open up this season because there's a lot of things in this narrative that are going to converge on this character in particular now, I feel. And you can expect a lot of growth in Ted's character, right? So yes. we see the growth this in is. Rebecca in season one from this major league subplot and uh, trying to just completely destroy Rupert, which actually comes up a little bit later in the episode. She yep. says she's no longer trying to destroy him. She just wants to beat him, which I think mm-hmm. is a distinction that she makes a little bit okay. later in the episode. Okay. Yeah. But then we also see uh, Nick Muhammad's Nate Shelley. He is our the person we open on in the second season. And of course, he takes a dark turn, but he does have some character growth in that he's going to be promoted to be the manager of West Ham at the end of second season. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to see what is going to happen to Ted between this first frame and the last frame of season three. And of course this being what they're saying is going to be the last season, potentially at least the the end of this story, they're kind of Mm -hmm. playing that game, (laughs) allowing themselves to have an out in case they do want to draft another arc. But this is kind of like our return of the Jedi. Right. And so We want to see Ted in this moment. Um, It is a really touching part of this show. I mean, we know that the divorce has always loomed large over this and kind of his uh, being a dad. In season one, we were dealing with things in tan lines and Mm -hmm. make Rebecca great again, where he's signing the divorce papers. He's going through all of that. In season two, we focus so much on the 
the the thread of th- fatherhood and that continues right here and oh, i think yeah. that that um is just kind of a gutting way to kind of put us back into this setting um it certainly is not a happy go lucky opening it's introspective it's deep and i think that that's what we're going to get out of ted uh, as we move through here yeah there's i do want to mention that i loved Henry Lasso in this, and you know that our favorite segment is going to be coming we'll back bring at the up, end, yeah. <laughs> and there might be something in there uh, from Henry Lasso. But I also love the little look back that he does at the end of the um, at the end of his time going down the escalator. It's just like, man, that uh, as a dad is kind of gutting. So I yeah. really enjoyed this opening scene, and I think it sets up quite a bit for us. So after that scene is over, we move into Ted talking with Dr. Sharon and then sort of trying to adjust with Henry not being there. It's interesting. He goes back to his apartment. There's Lego everywhere, which I think every parent ever uh, completely feels that moment. (laughs) And it's you see the Lego lasso characters that Henry and Ted have made. But you see Nate off to the side, which I think is uh, really interesting as well. And then. I think this is an interesting through line for this entire first episode. Ted starts to question why he's still in Richmond and he's starting to ask Dr. Sharon. He's going to ask lots of people throughout this episode. And uh, I just thought that that was a very interesting way to establish back to this character. Right, Jeremy? Yeah. And so, you know, one of the big through lines, I mean, it's clear that we're going to get a lot more fatherhood stuff here, but there's a few really good things that come from this conversation with Dr. Sharon and the telemessaging. Um, One of which is, uh, well, first of all, Lego, if you're not making this dog track set, what are you doing, guys? What are you doing? Just print the money. Like, you can just print money. I will give you my next paycheck to have this Lego set. Um, it is quite amazing. But my question when I saw that, aside from just how awesome it is, is who put Nate out to the side there? You know, Henry's been with him for six weeks now. He presumably knows Nate. He's been around Nate. He's been around all these people, and he presumably knows that he's not there anymore. So was this Henry putting him off to the side because he's not with the team anymore was this ted putting him off to the side because you know there's the tension there and everything that's been there is it like an involuntary thing that happened was it just kind of a thing that that was there there's a lot of psychology you can read into the placement of nate's lego character in those stands because he's not far far away he's still there with them but you know he's definitely not in the line that we see him there with Absolutely. And I mean, that is kind of answered for us later on in the episode. And I'm, again, assuming that our audience has seen this entire episode. And so maybe jumping back and forth just a little bit, but Henry asks why Nate is off to the side when he FaceTimes with Ted at the Mm -hmm. end. And so at that point, Ted's like, well, he's not with the team anymore. So I tend to think that Ted is the one that moved Nate. Now, it could have been maybe just like they were playing with them and it was kind of a more involuntary thing. But it is interesting, like you said, yeah. uh, that placement of Nate Shelley and, and where he's at with the team. Well, because... I'll say that the last part of that uh, particular scene is Ted asking Dr. Sharon some personal questions. And I liked this because this is, to me, a callback to we know that Ted Lasso is not necessarily a huge fan of therapy. So I think that this was his way of talking to Dr. Sharon and making clear that, like, well, I'm okay with this therapy thing and talking to you as long as I get to ask you some personal questions at the end. Is that how you read it? Yeah, yeah, I think it's, you know, Ted has kind of come around on therapy. Of course, that, you know, 
that that wound comes from a very specific place um, when it comes to why he doesn't like therapy. Um, but the fact that he is still going with it is a big, big deal. Um, you know, the fact that he still trusts Dr. Sharon enough to talk with her about every single thing, every single feeling that he is feeling. Um, it's a great sign. It's a great sign that the growth that we saw from Ted in season two has taken root, that it's not just a temporary fix that he needed for his panic attacks. He sees the benefit of this and, and that is happening now. And what, you know, to finish up on the Lego thing as well is that I think that it probably was a little involuntary, but what it shows is that the conversation that Ted has, you know, his entire affectation, his entire like philosophy of life is to let things roll off your back. Don't concentrate on the bad too long. Be a goldfish. All of that. It's clear from this that if he involuntarily did that or even on purpose, those wounds are still there and that he is not able to shake off what Nate said to him at the end of season 12 or season two, uh, episode 12 there. He's not able to shake it off very easily. Um, and so it's still something that is there and that he's going to have to uh, deal with. And uh, the other last, last aspect of Dr. Sharon that I absolutely loved is that Ted still has his tendency to tell these uh, freaking shaggy dog stories that um, Dr. Sharon just does not like. Um, but unfortunately, of the poor Mr. M um, uh, Mayher, uh, his custodian in school that unfortunately died um, in, a, in a fun way. Um, but um, I just love that Ted is just like, he's still Ted, you know, even though he's growing, even though he's got more issues to deal with, he's still the Ted we love deep down. Absolutely. So now for the next couple of scenes, I'll say that this show does a wonderful job of editing these scenes together. And so they jump back and forth. So much like we did in season two and season one, I'm going to group some scenes together that may not necessarily be the most chronological order, but it makes just more sense to be able to talk about the uh, brevity of the, the, the to be able to talk about like the whole scene uh, as it played out. So let's go ahead and dive into it. So we open up into Rebecca's office and then we're going to get into the locker room as well. But everyone is predicting that Richmond will come in 20th place in last place in the table uh, for the Premier League, which would mean relegation as well. And so that's something that um, they are all talking about as Ted comes in. And again, Ted is still a little bit despondent. And he mentions to them that Henry has jumped on a plane and that he's flying 10,000 feet uh, <laughs> Way higher, Ted. Way higher. It's like, ah, oh, probably a little bit higher. Yeah, that's um, not the case. And I loved the going back and forth with them talking about Rupert. And this could kind of be a Tedism, particularly, but I didn't have it listed in mind. But no, I love that Ted was like, Rupert's going to play this year, you know, because <laughs> uh, Rebecca just keeps talking about beating Rupert and not necessarily West Ham or beating the opponents. Uh, and but she keeps so doing I, that, man. She keeps saying, how are we going to beat him? Keeps doing not that. them. Yeah. Like, so it's clear it's still there. Yes. And I love that uh, Ted basically says, you know what, we're going to be fine. And Rebecca rejects that right away. And mm -hmm. she fires back. And this is the clip that they had released earlier. So a lot of people had seen this before. They took out a little bit of the expletive. Yeah. But Rebecca fires back and says, listen, I need the Ted Lasso. I need the coach Lasso that sat right over there and told me that we were going to win this whole fucking thing. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly who I need in this moment. I he needs to get in this headspace. And I think it's interesting that Rebecca is automatically more or less taking that owner's role in a way that we haven't seen those interactions between her and Ted before because she wants to beat Rupert so badly and because she doesn't want to be embarrassed by being in 20th place in the Premier League either. But I just thought that that was a really great interaction to try to get Ted snapped out of this kind of despondency. 
Yeah, I mean, it's clear that, um, and you know, she even makes mention of how he doesn't walk into the office with his normal thing. We'll, of course, uh, explore that line later. Um, but yeah, she can tell that there's something off here, and it's not just Henry. You know, like there's something more deeply rooted in here. And the fact that, you know, because before that, they're even talking about getting new players. Maybe let's look at some new personnel that we can try to, like, pump up our roster with so, so that everybody won't just keep, um, you know, uh, picking us to finish last year. And Ted is even resistant to that and I think what you're you're right in your instincts here though to uh, Craig is that there is like this dynamic shift that is going to happen it can't be the same thing that it was when they were you know in the second tier and now they're they've moved back up and stuff it's just like the equation has changed you know when Ted first got there they were in the Premier League but she was trying to tank them so it was a whole different dynamic now she is trying to be the owner that wants the team to win. She's trying to be the active sports owner that is trying to get the team, you know, to success, which is what we always want. And I think Ted needs to kind of come to terms with that dynamic too. He needs to understand that, you know, it was great to gel the team together and to accomplish something. Now he needs to get it to the next step and he needs to figure out how he can do that with these, with the players he's got and with maybe some new ones. Absolutely. And so I love that we then kind of flash into the locker room and get to see all of our favorite people great. again. This is so great. They highlighted and everybody so well. I was so happy with this. They really did. And it wasn't a very long scene. They're also talking about kind of being picked to be last and how that's making them mad. And then we flash into the coach's office and I love Roy describing <laughs> Hoosiers yes. to coach Beard. That was that was just perfect. And uh, they're going over the plan of attack this year because that's something that, uh, you know, I, I wonder if because this is a soccer show that doesn't necessarily focus on soccer very much, <laughs> if people had missed that before in season two. But really, Nate was the uh, tactician here. And so Roy is taking over that role and Beard and him are trying to figure out a plan of attack. So they're going to go maybe a 4-4-2, which is a basic setup and see what they can do. Um, I did also love when Ted walks in and that comment about why don't you ever hear about an overdog and really it's more of a top dog and all of that. Mm -hmm. I, it's just that, that banter that happens back and forth and not the app banter, but the banter uh, that happens back and forth between our characters. I absolutely love any final yeah. thoughts uh, in kind of that segment of scenes, Jer, before we move into our first look at Nathan Shelley. Yeah. A few big things here. The belief sign is back up. Um, it, it was is. it was murdered at the end of season two, but it has been resurrected. Um, I I don't know if this is a new sign, um, if Ted made a new one, or if it's the same one and he, I, I don't know, put it back together, I guess, or something. But my question there, I was just like, okay, well, the sign is up. It was clearly ripped in half. So do the players know that this was ripped in half? Because Ted was the only one who, I guess, technically we know saw this sign ripped in half. So... You know, that's that's a question I have. Like, do the players know that this happened and that Nate did it? I don't know. <laughs> I'm positive know? that one of our listeners is going to take a screenshot and then zoom in on the belief yeah, sign. Like, to see, see if, if there's, there's like little ripples or it. something. Yeah, in absolutely. It. So you let us know your theories on the belief sign. And yeah. I'm going to say that perhaps uh, we don't necessarily know uh, who that, that we being the players. OK, don't yeah. well, know I guess technically we, the audience, don't technically know that either. I mean, we just. 
that is true. We're them. making some assumptions there, uh, Jeremy. You know what they say about assumptions, right? Yes, that's so, right. All I see is ass of you and me. Um, but uh, the only other thing I'll say is that I do love that it seems like the the three of them as coaches have really gelled. That that Roy's defenses around Beard and Ted are like fully down now. Um, but you're right, though. It he does seem a little subdued, even more than normal. I think there's like, and and this does come up later in the episode in a quick line, but it's clear he's feeling a little inadequate uh, when it comes to matching Nate's uh, technical prowess as a coach. You know, he's definitely got the instincts of being a former player, but he might not be feeling up to the kind of mental acumen uh, that Nate brought uh, to that table, to their coaching staff. Um, Because I don't know, like, did it seem to you like Roy was just like just a little bit off in what we typically see in him? Absolutely. And I think maybe that is because he's a little bit nervous going into this season in the Premier League, you know, and trying to live up to those Roykin expectations, which we know are higher for himself than maybe even anyone else. And mm-hmm. so I think it'll be interesting to see how his character develops as well. And yeah. he's got a lot on his mind, we find out uh, here yes. in just a few minutes as <laughs> well. Speaking of character but, development, woo boy. <laughs> right. Let's so let's we get our first look at Nathan Shelley. And uh, just very briefly, we see Nate pull in with his still his old car. And then we also see him scrolling through Twitter. And uh, it's interesting because we saw a bit of that at the end of season two. Mm -hmm. And this is someone that really has to have that acknowledgement from other people to feel like they are thriving. And I think that that's going to come back to bite Nathan later on. But that's all that we see of him. Then we move directly into Keely and we visit her new PR office. And uh, then with Keeley's office, it's kind of like an interesting story about how she ends up getting that particular office space. And uh, then we get Rebecca coming into the office. So do you want me to stop there? Or do you want me to keep going, Jeremy? Yeah, just a few things on, on Nate that we get here. One, he's driving his same car. So even though he's upgraded to manager of a team that everybody is picking near at least the top four of the Premier League this year, he's still driving the little green car that we've seen him drive the whole time, which I think is funny. And it's also interesting because you'll notice when he's riding up the escalator to the office, there is a woman who very pleasantly tells him good morning and he says nothing he doesn't even look at her um you know as she's riding down the escalator while he's riding up the other one doesn't even acknowledge her like he's not even there and you're right the very first thing he does the very first thing he does is go straight to the computer straight to twitter it is so clear that he still feels very inadequate as a person is what i took from this is just like you're right he needs the positive affirmation that he gets from social media. And as we all know, that's always the best place to get it because it will never let you down. Um, this is a terrible, terrible idea. Twitter, right? Yeah. So it, it is very interesting, but like then there's the one guy that walks in, he's basically again, trying to be cheery to him. And he literally just tells him to get out and go away. Um, you know, I, I love that. Like, you know, I, I, I don't know. It was good to see Nate again in terms of like, I'm very interested to see where this character goes this year. And I think just in this short couple of scenes, we establish a lot with the gap that we have of what he's been doing. He obviously is putting all of his stuff into tactics because he wants to prove something is what my guess is. That's why he hasn't bought a new car. That's why he doesn't have a new wardrobe. You know, like I think like that's exactly what's happening here. Absolutely. But let's go back to Keely's office and go into when Rebecca gets there. Keely breaks down crying because she's just so busy in her new work. And uh, she actually had to double book 
crying crying with rebecca time. which is great and also with rebecca um and then this is where rebecca says the line that she no longer wants to destroy rupert's life she just wants to beat him on the pitch and so mm-hmm. this is kind of a change from her time uh as you know someone that had been going through this divorce and working through things and now she's in a spot in her life where instead of actually trying to destroy the man she just wants to beat him um to maybe pretend potentially uh feel that uh you know, the, the fact that she's one. Right. Yeah. And uh, we also get to meet someone that I hope is just a reoccurring great character <laughs> throughout the year. And that's Barbara, Barbara. Uh, from the venture capital for, firm. Uh, that's a Tedism for sure. Coming yeah, up. So I'm not going to say, say that line, now. but it's a very correct one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love that Rebecca also has to explain to Keely what a CFO means. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> as well. And then Keely does mention that uh, later on, they, that Roy and Keely are going to have the talk with Phoebe that mm-hmm. they have in fact broken up. So that is a scene that we will be getting towards the end of the episode. Well, I guess that's sorry, true, guys. Jeremy. At I this don't want to be she... right. I don't want to be right. I didn't want to be right, but I'm sorry. <laughs> You're right. And you know, me, the the hopeless romantic, I thought for sure that they would still maybe stay together and that they would uh, yeah, be but, able to work through that. But, but they do give that a very good amount of complexity later. So once we get there, like it's not like a typical like TV breakup. So I like that. Absolutely. Well, what are your thoughts about Keeley's office? It's interesting, you know, like I'm I'm kind of hoping like we get to see these characters like grow a little bit because they so just don't match who Keely is. But she also has been, you know, um, seeded this money, I'm guessing from a venture capital firm of some kind. So, um, you know, that means that it's not all completely hers, you know, like, but she hired these people, presumably. So I'm hoping that we get to kind of see this business grow a little bit and the people kind of blossom because they're very strict and very straight laced and stuff like that. So I'm hoping we get some stuff uh, with these people but i do love again though that like you know it's that old adage you know the grass is not always greener um but you know sometimes you just got to take the chances and stuff so um again i just like that we're playing complex games with all these characters there's nothing that's easy so far in any of these scenes absolutely so we then go to two different pitches so we get to see the the training for afc richmond for just a little bit and ted starts to talk to beard and say that everybody seems a little bit down and off and it really is because they're predicted to finish last in the premier league and so even uh, paddington bear even paddington bear picked him last i just loved that line (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then uh, Ted is going to be taking them on a field trip, which of course we will get a little bit later. So let's jump over to the West Ham pitch and to their training facility. Um, Nate right away is just so condescending. Like it's, it's such a clear uh, difference from the Ted Lasso method. And so he puts one of his players on the dumb, dumb line. um, And then he's asked by Rupert's assistant to come up and visit with Rupert Mannion. So we get to see Rupert's, um, office as well really a lot of new set pieces in this and i don't know if it's because maybe apple gave them a a little bit more money yeah (laughs) Uh, but we've got a lot of set pieces that we haven't seen before including the death star uh and that is something you had called out that it really looked like the death star and now more of it it's so obvious like Yeah, I I said like more like a Sanctum Centaurum, but it's definitely the Death Star for sure. Yeah. And uh, Rupert is talking about R- Richmond's odds as well. So as much as Rebecca wants to beat Rupert, Rupert also wants to beat Rebecca as well. So this is mm-hmm. going to be a continuing storyline. It has been really throughout the entire c- series, and it's clearly maybe going to come to a head uh, in 
a future episode here. Um, I, I think mm-hmm. it's interesting the manipulation that Rupert uses Ugh. on Nathan here to try to get him to kind of uh, be able to make sure he's focusing on beating AFC Richmond in particular and just doing well. But he's also trying to do this buddy-buddy thing with him. And it's just something that... It doesn't that, feel right, does it? <laughs> no, it doesn't feel right. It feels so manipulative. It just... I, I can't stand it, really. Um, and then we get a fun scene at the very end that Nate's car is being towed because no one could be driving that bad of a car and parking in a premier league parking lot. Right. So Jeremy break down all of that. Yeah, this is so fun uh, for a few reasons. One, um, there's a bigger through line here with Nate of why he's doing these derisive tactics that he's doing. One, it is kind of like the, it is kind of an uh, unintended byproduct of like Ted telling him to like tell off the team in that uh, Everton game uh, episode. I think that's make Rebecca great again. Um, And, you know, like that's kind of where he kind of figured out that he could be, you know, he could speak to these people that had already bullied him for a long time and that he could speak back to them in a derisive, yeah, derisive way. And, it's just now to its nth degree. And it's amazing like to see how far he has fallen down this hole. And again, though, it's an inadequacy thing, you know, like because I don't know. I was studying Nick Muhammad's face a lot in these scenes. And you can tell there is a lot of self-doubt still in Nate that there is still like even though he's there, the head coach, the head manager of this team, he has got the whistle. He is calling the shots on everything. He still doesn't look like he's comfortable doing that to me. He still mm-hmm. has this look of like. I hope people don't notice that I'm nervous or something like that. And so he picks someone to pick on, to put all the like focus on and the frustration on. And that's, you know, what bullies do. And now he has come full circle to being a bully from being bullied. It's the the thing that always happens. Um, you absolutely nailed the Rupert stuff. Such manipulation. We learn many, many times about how Rupert does this. And you're right, though. I loved in your notes when you put that is just like, he continues to bring up AFC Richmond. And, like, remember, Rebecca said in, like, the first season, that's been his team his whole life. Like, he bought that team because that's a team he grew up rooting for. Um, You know, so it's, like, very interesting to me that you're right. He keeps bringing up the odds. He keeps wanting Nate to, like, say jokes about them and, like, talk about how they're going to finish last and stuff. As much as Rebecca still hasn't gotten Rupert out of her head, it's pretty clear that Rupert hasn't gotten Rebecca and Richmond out of his head either. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. And I think that it's going to, like I said, come to a head once they play each other. Yeah. yeah and the last ahead. thing to the, the, when Nate is talking about his car and that being his car, I don't know about you. That's where I saw the old Nate. That's where I saw mm. the old Nate Shelley just for a little bit. And it, it keeps happening very micro amounts in this episode, but it gives me some hope that we might get to redeem this guy because it's still there. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, like, I think that, first of all, Nick Muhammad, I mean, Emmy nominated now and someone that is just really great at this craft and he really brings it in this episode. And I can see those little glimpses of Nate the Great still deep inside of Nate the Evil. I don't know what we want to call him. Not (laughs) as good of a rhyme, I guess. I like it. Nate the Evil. (laughs) So let's go to Ted's field trip to the London sewer system. The team is going to go down to the sewer system and uh, Sam is the first to go down, which I thought was interesting. So we did see a glimpse. Now this this was in the trailer, folks. I'm not spoiling anything in the future. We saw a very quick glimpse of Sam wearing the captain arm badge, um, the armband for a captain in a future episode. Of course, that doesn't happen in this episode, so we know Mm -hmm. it's a future episode, but it's 
interesting, I thought, that Sam was the first person to jump into the sewer because Ted Lasso asked him to. And so uh, while on their way down, though, some construction workers do take a picture of them. And you know that that's going to end up on social media uh-huh. as soon as uh, he as soon as they go down there. Now, again, this isn't all necessarily chronological. I'm grouping this scene all together because it's easier to talk about the sewer scene together. Yeah. So why are they down here? Well, Henry and Ted had taken a sewer tour because on his flight over, Henry had caught watching it on the flight over yeah, because somebody of somebody else. right next to him yeah. and was just terrified. And so he wanted to face up to his fears, which I thought was pretty cool. Hey, Henry. excellent, and- Henry. Yeah, excellent, dude. <laughs> And I think it was Roy and uh, it was Isaac, right? That commented like, this is great. Uh, this That's a great idea to great face idea. up to your fears, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I think it was Roy. Um, so, but yeah, like really, really good idea there, man. <laughs> oh, you're right. Because in my notes, I have that Isaac asks why they are here. Uh, of course, like the team captain should. And then Roy yells at them to be quiet. Mm-hmm. I just love how completely bought into the lasso way that Roy is. Because remember... Back in the beginning part of season one, what did Ted Lasso say? If we can get Roy Kent, key. we can get them all. If we get him to fall, the rest will follow. Yep. <laughs> like something to that measure. It's like the if we're gonna make a difference here, it's gonna start in that man's heart. That's what he said. Yep. I've watched um, the show too many times, guys. <laughs> so of course they're wondering why they're down here in the sewer and you gotta love Jamie Ted, Tart. Ted right? Life Lesson Time. Yeah, man. <laughs> this is your this is your Phil Dunster this is moment. My boy, uh, Phil, come on the show, man. Come on. <laughs> tell tell us exactly how he said that they were surrounded by a bunch of poop. How did he say it? <laughs> what? Poopy. <laughs> <laughs> it was perfect. Yeah, that was good. And so then Ted says, well, he thinks he's not only surrounded by a bunch of poopé downstairs or down in the sewer system, but also up above mm-hmm. as well, because uh, mentally they are just blocked by the fact that everyone is telling them that they're going to finish last in the Premier League. Yeah. And so he tells them that they need to make an internal sewer system to be able to filter all of that out. And I love this because he starts talking about the good traits that everybody has. He's like, if you need confidence, you go to Jamie's confidence. And he keeps going with everybody uh, throughout the team and mm-hmm. kind of tells them all that positive reinforcement about the different characteristics that they have that can help lead the team to success and victory. I thought that was really a a very, a very cool metaphor, a very Ted Lasso metaphor, but what were your thoughts? Yeah. And it's also a a great parallel too, because again, guys, the writers on this show are so damn good because what movie did Beard recommend to Roy? Hoosiers. He recommended Hoosiers. What is coach Gene Hackman in that movie's main tactic with his team? It's dramatic examples to get them to see that they don't have to be intimidated by circumstances they're not familiar with. All right. I automatically went to him bringing the tape measure into the big stadium, the Indiana Fieldhouse, and showing him like, oh, look at that. The hoop is the exact same height as the one we have back in Hickory. Oh, look at that. The free throw line is still exactly 10 feet away from the hoop, just like our gym back in Hickory. And that is what Ted is doing here. He's pulling a Hoosiers movie saying like dramatic examples to shake people, shake people out of apathy. Basically, which is just like, yes, you've got a lot of noise, people telling you you're going to be bad. You're going to not be there, but you know what? You earned this spot. You guys are just as good and you believe in each other and you all can lean on each other. So therefore we can accomplish this. I just love this scene. It's, it's what Ted Lasso does best. Absolutely. But he's going to get in a little bit of trouble for it later because we're going to go into Nathan's press conference. My God, this was amazing acting. It really was. 
It really was. So uh, the Rupert goes and introduces him as Nathan Shelley, the manager of West Ham. And then uh, it's interesting because there's a couple of things that Nick Muhammad does in here. First of all, they call him the Wonder Kid. Mm -hmm. And he says, I think I said Wunderkind. He still so can't that let way, it go. He kind of like trying to go. correct himself, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, and clearly he did not, but he's trying to correct himself there. He's also really nervous. And so uh, we love when Ted Lasso brings musical theater into the show <laughs> as well. And so he starts doing a song from the King and I, he and they ask him how he's <laughs> how he's getting along with the team. And he's like, well, you know, I'm getting to know them, getting to know all about them. Uh, so, he almost does the fourth lyric too, man. you know, getting to like them, hoping that they like me. <laughs> I thought this was like Sarah and I just absolutely lost it when he started doing that. I love the yeah. musical theater references that this does. And oh, then man. he basically starts to have a, his own little bit of a panic attack. In fact, he flashes back to his time at AFC Richmond when he was a kitman and they were all treating him poorly way back to season one. And so he has to kind of bend down underneath the table to sort of hide from the reporters for a second. And then he does that thing that a lot of people really hated that Nate does in season two. And that's he spits. Uh, this is the way that he kind of gets back into that mm -hmm. sort of uh, Nate the evil mode and <laughs> is able to move forward. And so he does that for, I guess, confidence purposes, whatever the case may be. But then uh, he is able to come back and sort of be that new Nate Shelley, that evil Nate Shelley that we don't necessarily like. Um, and he expects he's asked about Richmond and uh, why they are expected to finish 20th in the Premier League. And his answer is because there's not 21 spots in the Premier, Premier League. Which, um, yeah. He then is also able to respond to the AFC Richmond picture of them going into the sewer. And he takes a direct shot at Ted. They asked why they thought that AFC Richmond was going down into the sewer. And they said, he says, because they have a shitty coach. Mm. So that is a direct shot at Ted that I bet – Ted is probably going to be kinder in in response in a little bit in this episode. But talk about this press conference for me, Jer. Yeah, this is great A acting from Nick Muhammad. Um, you you hit on like the big things there, but also not even just a flashback to um, you know, getting towels thrown at him from the Richmond players when he was the kit man. There's also a brief flash of his father looking disapprovingly at him over the paper. Um, and that happens right before he spits. And again, I don't know if we mentioned it is there, but I think like the spitting thing, because he always usually does it in the mirror at himself when we see it uh, later or when we see it in season two. I think it still is. It's almost a way of self-bullying in a way. He's literally telling himself, don't be this pathetic person. You're so pathetic. He spits on that image of himself so that this new, I like Nate the Evil. Uh, Patrick's going to make a shirt about that later. Um, Nate the Evil can, you know, kind of take over again. It's almost like a split personality, a Jekyll and Hyde type of thing. But um, there's also just like the way that when he comes back from that and the reporter tries to ask him a gotcha question about like, you were washing another team's underwear two years ago. This must be overwhelming. And he derides him pretty savagely saying like what's overwhelming is such a smart looking person asking such, such a stupid question, which I mean, I guess is a playbook from some people, press secretaries, uh, playbooks and everything like that. But it is a, an interesting thing, though. You're right that like Nate, again, this is another clear look that Nate is still there. The Nate that we all fell in love with is still there, like with his little King and I like involuntary thing that he did there. It's just He's gotten so far down there, and, and in many, many ways, Craig, you know this. We talked about this many times. 
the Anakin Skywalker comparison is so apt here. I mean, you know, just like there's so many moments where you see that little bit of the good Nate peeking through that he just can't do. And yeah, he goes like full, full, full on with the comment about Ted at the end. Um, And you're right, it is just an amazing way to juxtapose not only what Ted does with it, but what Rebecca wants him to do with it. Absolutely. And we're going to hear from Rebecca here in just a second. We get two really brief scenes. We flash to the locker room where the team, AFC Richmond, is going to respond to Nathan's press conference. And uh, I thought this was interesting because, of course, they get upset about it. And Ted goes, I'm going to go say something. And then it's actually Jamie Tart who says, remember the sewer lesson that we Mm -hmm. just had and just let it flow. Just let it go. And that is such a difference between season one, Jamie Tart and what he would have done with this information. And then Ted's like, uh, kind of shrugs his shoulders. Like, Hey, I didn't have to go out there and say anything because Jamie had it. And again, it just shows that this team is absolutely fully committed to Ted Lasso and to his coaching and how he's going to go about things. Now, Rebecca, we do get to go into her office. She's clearly upset with Ted. You want to talk about Emmy winning scenes, my man? This is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, uh, right from the jump, right? In the first uh, episode, Hannah Waddingham coming out swinging. She is very upset about Ted taking the team into the sewer, especially when they're predicted to finish last. From a PR perspective, that is a terrible thing to do not a good look and then she says she asked ted if he's going to be addressing nathan's comments and basically he says no and this is again we saw it earlier in the episode rebecca pleads with ted that he has to fight back yeah he has to be able to have that winning spirit and to fight back particularly because she does not want to lose to rupert um, yeah. and uh, and I, i'm going to give you the actual line there because this is important dialogue here it's not a tedism but this is important dialogue i think for the rest of the season because we just talked about this dynamic shifting between these two as well and she literally says they're laughing at us ted and then what does she say right after that rupert is laughing at me like mm-hmm. and and i again like hannah is earning yet another like emmy nom here and he's like she's like they're laughing at our ted or they're laughing at me they're laughing at our team and then she says i am begging you please fight back and that yeah. is such an interesting line because again you want to know what the real meat of this with rebecca is it's that she cares now man you're right i don't think it's all about rupert anymore i believe her on the on the fundamental level there She cares about this team now. She cares about this team being successful, and she's not used to that, and she's not used to how to figure that out and how to navigate that. This is an amazing scene. We also get some clear themes going on here because we've got uh, the in the first season, we had to establish who these characters were. In the second season, they really dug into therapy and they were talking about issues surrounding therapy basically the entire season. Mm -hmm. And clearly the major theme or one of the major themes in this uh, season is going to be breakup and divorce. We've already had um, the talk about Ted having to send his child back to America. That's how we open up this. We've got uh, already a lot of conversation between Rebecca and Rupert and their divorce and where that's going. And then here in a little bit, we're going to actually see a scene where Roy and Keeley have to tell Phoebe that they've broken up. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we're going to talk about that just in a second, but let's go ahead and move on to Ted's press conference. And so there's a couple of things I wanted to mention in here. So there's a new reporter from the independent, which I thought was (laughs) cute that they replaced Trent Krim, but then Ted is asked if he's going to uh, respond to Nathan. And he basically said he thought it was hilarious. He calls him Nate the Great, which I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And he talks about how smart he is. And then he ultimately wishes him luck. 
And then he starts to go into this self-deprecating humor. He starts to do, I'm so dumb jokes to try to kind of <laughs> win over the I reporter. I guess they don't have these and, in England. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, so he has to teach them uh, how it goes. But by the end, he's got the whole room with him because that's exactly what Ted Lasso is able to do. And he mentions he's not a great coach. He's starting to really lean into his insecurities. He brings up the panic attacks and talks yeah. about those. And he makes jokes about that. And so... Um, he is able to win over the entire room while also complimenting Nate. And that really makes Nate look like such the smaller person mm -hmm. between the two of them that social media starts to respond to this. Mm -hmm. And of course we know that Nathan is scrolling through Twitter like crazy. And it's kind of that whole idea of killing them with kindness. Uh, and that's going to really be able to have this kind of perception that there's someone that is kind of the bigger person out of this fight, right? Yeah. And so that's absolutely what's happening between Ted and Nathan here. I thought this was really some very interesting, uh, a, a very interesting press conference and exactly how Ted Lasso should respond to such a mean press conference from Nathan. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, obviously we get the affirmation there because Rebecca is kind of mean eyeing him uh, at the back of the room, like wanting him to like, you know, take the gloves off, say something bad about Nate and everything like that. Um, and then, you know, she looks a little disappointed until she sees that you're right. Like this is such an encapsulation of what Ted does as a person, right? He gets the room back with him and Keely messages Rebecca saying, you know, like way to let Ted be Ted. And again, like it's just this conflicting, like, way in which you see the world and I think that this is Ted's natural way of being and I think even though Nate you know dressed him down and there's this betrayal there Ted just can't bring himself to feel anger towards Nate and now I do think right. that's something that's going to have to be dealt with though because I think it's there inside of him but I don't think like I think he still is going to have to find a way to deal with that but it is interesting that you're right, though, the juxtaposition of when Nate then, you know, again, looking for affirmation in all the wrong places. And then we also get, once again, the core root of what is wrong with Nate, isn't it? Which is that his dad does not give him the approval that he seeks. And that's where yeah. it ultimately comes down to. We see that uh, because he gets the text from his mom saying that his dad was upset that he swore on TV, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and just basically kind of dismissed him. And even though this is kind of his introductory press conference, and you know, it's interesting what you said about Ted and anger, because maybe that is uh, subtly done for us earlier in the episode with the Lego, right? Yeah. So putting Nathan off to the side, which of course we'll get a callback to here in a little bit. So uh, Rupert buys Nathan a new car. Yeah, more manipulation. I think Rupert, this is going right? to keep happening. By the way, like Nate, I think is always going to have like these little these little twinges of like humanity again. And I have a feeling Rupert's always going to be the one to like pull it back. That's what I think yeah, is going to be sure. happening. So now we get the scene between Roy and Keeley where they're going to tell Phoebe that they've broken up. So they Ooh. sit her down. They give her lots of ice cream. She knows <laughs> something is up right a bit right away. Um, they are both really hesitant. And uh, Phoebe's reaction is sort of like, it's very clinical, almost like she doesn't it? necessarily care or that she kind of already knew that something was up. Um, she did ask them why they broke up and neither one of them are able to explain to her why they broke up. Um, Roy says that they are just too busy and Phoebe doesn't buy that. Phoebe's like, well, you've been busy your whole lives and it worked out before. Um, and she did then say, you know, Phoebe dropping the knowledge, she says, well, few relationships can survive a major career change <laughs> and especially not having two career changes. And then she says, because her parents divorced when she was four years old, she has a, a core belief that nothing lasts forever, which, Whew. wow, Jeez. Uh, Phoebe, <laughs> um, 
And then uh, she does in the car ride, ask Uncle Roy if he's sure that he she that he's doing the right thing, because she thinks that he's being stupid. So yeah. <laughs> um, this is a scene, you know, we were wondering how the Roy and Keeley storyline was going to be able to um, be able to foster here. And this is something that I think is uh, sort of an interesting way to approach this as we move forward. So mm-hmm. are we led to believe here? Cause I don't believe it's actually mentioned in the episode because she asked uncle Roy, if he's doing the right thing, are we led to believe that Roy is the one that broke up with Keely ultimately? Cause in the end of season two, we thought it was going to be the other way around Keely leaving Roy. Here's why, here's why I buy that Roy broke up with Keely. And it's because I think when you were talking at the end of season two, when he was talking, about their relationship he was the one feeling insecure wasn't he he was the one feeling like he wasn't worthy of her anymore that you know like she's gonna she's in you know this big magazine spread she's got her own company now um you know she's gonna be doing a lot more stuff and he kind of feels like you know when he saw that picture of her by herself after they did a shoot together that that's what kind of looked more natural in his eyes so again and you couple that with you know she even calls out uh, uh keely does when he's talking about how he he's more busy now how Nate's not there anymore. So he has to take on more tactical coaching with the team and stuff like that. And, you know, Keely starts to say it, but she trails off. He says like, I know you're feeling, you know, you're feeling strange about that or something like that. I can't remember the exact word, but you know, it, again, it's clear from there. Roy doesn't know if he's able to do what Nate could do and he's unable and he doesn't know if he's going to be the thing that the team needs uh, to be successful. And so that insecurity is feeding into the insecurity he already had about their relationship and about how Keely he thinks is getting too good for him or too big for him or something like that, that he's inadequate there. It's clear that Roy is dealing with a lot of different insecurities um, right now. And that I think that that is why he was the one to kind of pull the ripcord on the relationship. Um, uh, Because I don't know, I'm just not buying that Keely was the one who did it. Yeah, I, I'm feeling that a little bit too. So let's kind of wrap up this episode. We get a little bit of lasso and beard and this uh, pulls back to what Ted was talking about at the beginning. And he says, do you ever wonder why we're still here? And he says that thing about, I know why we came, but I'm not quite sure why we're still here. And uh, is it more crazy that is it more crazy or less crazy that we're still here as opposed to when we came? (laughs) I I think that this is going to be clearly a through line. He's thinking about Henry heading back home to the United States and wanting to be with Henry more. And so that's um, really interesting. He does FaceTime Henry uh, right away. And Henry is the one that says you, why is Nate away from the group? And uh, Ted explains that he's not with the team anymore. And then they said, yeah, but you can still be friends. Right. And I mean, come on. Out of the mouth of children, mm. uh, you can still be friends, even though um, there might be some kind of separation there. And again, that's another like one of those moments that clearly this is going to be a theme throughout the entire season. Uh, yeah. And so Ted tells Henry he uh, would only be away from him if it was something really important that he really yeah. believes in. And so Ted asks Henry why he's still there. And Henry responds, you got to go win the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So is that going to happen? Do we get that kind of relief from uh, Ted Lasso at the end of season three? We will have to find out together. The last thing that happens, Henry shows Ted an infinity gauntlet that he got from his mom's quote friend. So we are led to believe that uh, Michelle is uh, dating someone at the end of this and that that person has been giving uh, Henry some kind of gifts. So 
Holy Ooh. moly, what a first episode, buddy. Yeah, it's a, again, you're right. There's a lot of displaced anger, I think, with Ted about Nate. And of course, when a child like points out parents' hypocrisy and BS, it's always the best way because you really get to introspect yourselves there. But I think that that has to come to a head. They have to address that the anger, Ted has to address the anger he has at Nate, even though he will not ever admit it to himself. Um, and you're right, like just the, the whole be friends thing. And Man, what a way to like gut punch us at the end of this episode because you're right, like the fact that he felt the need to tell him like, you know, and and again, it, it comports with the line he had with Sharon at the beginning of the episode, you know, thinking about why he's still there. I know why I came, I think is what one of the lines is. So, but you know, like why are we still doing this? Um and yeah, the the whole it's one of those terrible terrible things about divorce and everything but you know it's inevitable and um but yeah god i was i don't know man i was just so gut punched at the end of that with that i was just like thank you jason for making me feel really really great again and then really bad again (laughs) yeah i know right like this is that what this uh show is doing and it's certainly the direction ever since man city particularly this show has, you know, the joke was made that it started as a half hour comedy and is now a 45 minute drama. This episode did come in right about that 45 minute mark yep. and certainly it provided ample amount of drama with a bit of comedy in it. And that's why it's one of the best shows out there and why we love it. But we also love it because we love our Tedisms as well. So for the first time in a long time, <laughs> Larry Smith, your dulcet tones. Here we go. Tedisms, where each week we share Biscuit's truth. All right, buddy, I'll Woo! let you go first. The first Tedism of season three. All right. Well, on me. I mean, I'm going to take the one that you probably wanted, but because it was the first one we all noticed in no! there. No! Yes, yes, I got to do it, man. <laughs> because, again, it's just so cute to see that Henry has picked up on everything, but amen, Big Ben. <laughs> amen, Big Ben. I absolutely love that. I love that he talked like Ted too, when he was talking about like, am I ready to go back to my country's political strife? He says, no. I got that one too. Like she asked him if he's ready to go home and he says to all my toys. Yes. To my country's political landscape. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ted says that he leaves on CNN too much. Yeah, I absolutely love yeah, that. Yeah. Um, here's, I think the next one chronologically, I don't know if I'll do it all con- chronologically, um, jump around. but this I think is the theme of the season. I know it's not necessarily a funny one, but it's it's deep Ted Lasso. And I think we're going to get it more and more as we go throughout. I knew why I came, but it's the sticking around that I qu- can't quite figure out. And that's what he says to Dr. Sharon almost mm-hmm. right away to open up the season. Yeah, that's going to be a big, big through line there. Um, you know, uh, and I think he says also in that maybe my sticking around is hurting more than it's helping at this point. So that's uh, pretty there. Uh, though Dr. Sharon gives him a nice little tedism too. doubt can only be removed by action. Words to live by everyone. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, Was that yours or do you have another one? No, I got a good one here because uh, also when he's talking to Dr. Sharon and he decides to muse on the game of rugby when he says, rugby, what a game. It's like American football and sumo wrestling gave birth to a baby with huge muscular thighs all caked in mud. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to jump around. I'm going to jump around a little bit here. I'm going to give you two Rebecca ones because I want to steal both of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first one, they're both happen in Keely's office. And the first one she says, crying is the best, isn't it? It's like an orgasm for the soul. Yes. You got to love that line. Um, And then when she first meets, uh, when she first meets Barbara, it's just a wonderful, like, 
Hannah Waddingham, she just goes, she seems fun. fun. <laughs> like, it's so good. <laughs> that one, uh, I do love when they go into the office for the first time and Ted just walks in and Rebecca looks at it and just says, no rhyming salutation? Is something wrong? <laughs> Which I like, but then he um, says, I, "I, I'm going by the captioning here because I couldn't quite tell what he said." But he says, "Way to notice, hey, Miss Otis." <laughs> uh, let's see what else I got. I got a good one from Jamie, or I got one from Ted. We did Ted a little earlier, but I might oh, come you back gotta, to it. You got to do Jamie. I think it's the Tedism of the episode. <laughs> we aren't going to get. Uh, and this might not be the one you're thinking about, but nope, Jamie that's says, the one. "Yep." We aren't going to get relegated because we are together, which you're like, oh, come on, Jamie Tart. And he goes, and together we've got me. There it is. Yeah, there it is. (laughs) (laughs) There's the Jamie we all love. I do love uh, Ted's talking about how he and Henry have been playing FIFA. And he says, uh, we both learned who Maradona was. And I had to explain to my son why cocaine is bad for you. Oh man. Uh, a couple more here. Um, I love this scene. This isn't necessarily like that huge of a Tedism, but it's when they're leaving for the field trip and he goes, last one on the bus has to eat a little bug. Now everyone run except for Roy. Except Let's for Roy. go. Yeah. And then you get this like epic walk that Roy does like with the underscoring and everything. Oh, it was yeah. beautiful. Pretty good. I had, um, look, these guys look more distracted than a bunch of cats playing laser tag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's gotta be a pretty good one. Um, and then the last Tedism I had, cause we it's all been thinking it, we've all been thinking it for like three years. I look like Ned Flanders is doing cosplay as Ned Flanders. <laughs> I absolutely died when he's <laughs> perfect. Perfect. delivery. Uh, do you got any more? Uh, I, I'll just give the honorary mention to Keely Jones with a nice, uh, fuck you, Joe Rogan. <laughs> I liked that one. There was also another, uh, there was Roy Kentism when, um, the construction worker yells over Roy Kent, is that you? And Roy just goes, get fucked. <laughs> yep. That's him. <laughs> yep. That's him. That's definitely Roy Kent. Holy moly, Jeremy. Boom. We made it. Boop, 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 Season three, episode one. We're off and running, guys. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe that Ted Lasso is back? Now, I should say that at time of recording, we're not exactly sure who you'll be hearing next week because right. I am going on a bit of a vacation, and so I don't intend to bring my recording stuff with me. So I, we are either going to record episode two early or you're going to have a different co-host, buddy. So we'll find that out, and we'll make sure people know about it. But it's so great to have Lasso back in our lives, huh, buddy? Mm-hmm, man, I've been waiting a long time. And again, what we said in our reviews, man, the best thing that you could take away from this episode is that the magic – it is still there and it is still the Ted Lasso we all love. And we're back, man. We've got 11 more of these episodes. Let's savor them all, everyone. Absolutely. At least 11 more. And then who knows, maybe another season after that. They're being rather coy with us. Yeah, they're being uh, I liked too the cute prediction by half right episode. now. <laughs> I love the prediction episode. I think it was Dr. Mark who said uh, that Coach Beard is going to get the spinoff. And then you got Roy and Beard maybe, or, or Beard and somebody else that's going to stick behind and they're going to continue coaching. I could I could, die, I could buy that, but yeah. we'll have to see what happens in the future. Only really Jason Sudeikis knows, I think, right. uh, at this point. Maybe his core group of like 
Bill Lawrence, maybe Brett Goldstein. Um, but I don't think it goes uh, Brendan Hunt, but it might not go outside of that core group of creators at this point. I'll tell you what, though, Apple and Warner Brothers for sure wants them to have more episodes <laughs> beyond the season. So, <laughs> um, but guys, we are going to come back every single week. We hope to have the episodes posted at the time the embargo lifts. And then that way you can listen along uh, right after you're done with the episode. If you have comments about the episode, please come join us on social media. Go to Peanut Butter and Biscuits on Facebook. Uh, go to Twitter and follow us on PBBFRN. We do have an Instagram. I'm trying, guys. I really am. <laughs> I don't even think I've posted the last episode on it yet. But Peanut Butter Biscuit Time on Instagram. You can go there. You can also email us at frontrowlasso at gmail.com. And hey, do us a favor and leave us a review, particularly yeah. if you're a new listener or if you've caught up on, on some of our episodes, go out to Apple because that really does help uh, expand our audience and get people listening to the show. But it uh, has just been a remarkable first episode and I can't we wait to happy, do more with you. Happy, Any happy final thoughts, Jeremy? Happy to be back. A great episode to get us back in. Can't wait to take this journey with you. We love all you guys. And uh, yeah, onward forward onward forward i think we even got that in under an hour we'll have to see once we uh, edit this just, one down we're just there but for peanut butter and biscuits i am craig i am jeremy and as always be, be a, a goldfish, goldfish. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Front Row Network, a proud Community Voices member of National Public Radio Illinois. For more from the Front Row Network, including our articles or our other dozens of shows, visit thefrontrownetwork.com or nprillinois.org slash programs slash network. You can also find us on social media by searching for the Front Row Network on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Front Row Reviews with a Z.